Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so pumped to be with you on the internet. I wonder where people listen from, Ashley. Do you think they're like heavy Apple Podcasts, Spotify? I mean, I'm just so curious. I'm so curious. You mean which platform did they like to listen from? Yeah. You know, Spotify, you're the one who told me that Spotify was on the come up with podcasts. Mm-hmm. It so is. So I'm going to give, you know, it's a it thing. Is. It's a thing. It is. That's not where I listen to mine, but I, but I enjoy the podcast app. I want Spotify to remain music and music only. <laughs> and then they'd be signing those bajillion dollar deals with Mrs. Obama mm-hmm. and the Meghan Markle. So, totally. Oh, no, they're, they're really on the come up both. But you're right. I, I'm an Apple podcast girl. Yeah, same. I like it. I like it. Well, listeners, we're so pumped to be with you for another week of Why Though? We are in the final week of the Pray Tell series, and we are going to talk about what happens when women have power. And I was thinking about this as women have power and what that looks like and how so many of us have been inspired when we have seen movies with strong women, whether it was Steel Magnolias or Clueless or whatever, whatever floats <laughs> your boat. What was that one that Britney Spears in? Hold on. Wait for it. Crossroads. I know. Oh, wow. About that. No, I'm not it way it. back. Whoa. Whoa. Not a girl, not yet a woman. Oh, wow. You were like a true fan. Oh, I was not. No. I'm just saying I remember that people were like in love with it. Yeah. I was never never a huge Britney fan. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. I like um, people who can like for real, for real sing. And she can sing, but mm. I like like real singers. But I did enjoy, she had that, um, the toxic song. Boy, I love that one. You're toxic. Dun, 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 oh, that's a good one. I completely endorse this message. Oh, that song was so good. And when it came on in the club, I'd be like, oh, yeah, ooh, 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 ooh. It was like my one borderline rave song that I enjoyed. Everything else, I'm like, we put Dr. Dre back on. But I still, you know, that was a good song. It was a good song. I mean, I'm obviously a little young to be quoting how much I love the song, but California, uh, Tupac, California Love. That is still, till to this day, it's on every playlist, every summer playlist I make. Of course. That makes perfect sense to me. And we honor you, Tupac, the great prophet. We honor you. So good. So good. (laughs) Oh, I loved it. I also had an older brother who was significantly older than me, and it was early 90s grunge Seattle so a lot of Nirvana a lot of oh. that vibe oh I still to this day love Nirvana do so do you much. really I could probably if I played like their greatest hits I probably could sing every every oh lyric. my god wait no well I think I said makes sense with Seattle right yeah like, girl. We, we were just kind of yeah, like girl. why is no one taking showers I don't understand what is going on in the west and Coast. why is their hair so greasy <laughs> oh so nasty and those big like skater pants that were oh 100 percent yeah. six feet wide per leg we were like what is happening right now it was wild to okay, watch it from the East Coast. <laughs> yes, but it was it was a thing. Like the it wide was. pants, the no, Jinko so Jean-esque, right. and yes. the Etnies, and all the skater shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my brother went through the hard... You know, gotta be honest, he's not really out of it. The grunge, <laughs> punk, ska, like that was his whole world. And he was my big brother, and he was so cool. So I was like, I'm going to dress like that. So I remember dressing in like fifth grade. I didn't win the Halloween costume contest, but I dressed as like a skater punk grungy chick like Bam. pretty hair like a chain on my jeans 
You was... did the chain. Well, Tiffany, we need costume. pictures. I mean, I really, I would like to, I want the listeners to know that I'm, I'm asking Tiffany, I want you guys to hold her accountable to find a photo that I oh, can gosh. use. So if you don't see it pop up on our graphics for the show this week, then you know that Tiffany did not deliver the chain on the pants picture that we're all asking her for. Okay. I have delivered oh. on a belly shirt on Instagram. Okay. Oh my I've gosh. Delivered I loved it. With and my belly button like ring. Kate Middleton like photo. <laughs> I was totally. blown away. I was like, I legit thought it was Kate Middleton until I realized it was you. You guys will find this. You'll know what I'm talking about when you find it. Um, well, as you know, my childhood lacks much, including photos. So unfortunately, I have no photo evidence of said fifth grade Halloween costume. But I also just want to throw in there that in first grade, I was Princess Jasmine. And oh. to this day, it's like my shining moment of my childhood. It's a very bright spot. And I don't have many memories of childhood, but that that's one of them that I love. So I was also Princess Jasmine, which I would mm. not do now because I didn't realize, you know, as a young person that that probably isn't that appropriate because I was a little too old to be doing it. I wasn't just like a child, but my friend and I were dressing up um, for, I think maybe I was 13 when I did this and I wore a Jasmine costume and I do have photo evidence that I will send you privately <laughs> and not to anyone else because it definitely had the see-through pants and everything. It was fabulous. Oh girl. Oh girl. <laughs> oh, I just remember getting to wear like aquamarine blue eyeshadow Ooh, and just yes. being like, I've just arrived. This is, I have peaked yes. and I you am six just years being old. beautiful. Just, just absolutely being beautiful. beautiful. Now, <laughs> listeners, as if you've been following along, you know that between us we have five children and there's only one girl. So we get to just mm -hmm. pour all of our love for beautiful, cute things onto this one baby willow. Mm -hmm. And that's just how we're going to live our lives. So when we just go there with the girly stuff, because we got boys. We got lots and lots and lots of boys. Yes. But then Queen Willow. So there we She's go. She's so We're precious. Good. I love her. Okay. But as we talk about strong women today and what happens when women have power, and we just named so many of them. Princess Jasmine, mm -hmm. pretty, not the skater chick, clearly. But I was thinking about how uh, representation matters. And it, it is so it's so delightful when you see a movie where you're like, oh, yes, and a woman in power. And I was thinking, <clears throat> I've been asked this question a lot recently, who would play you in like a biopic? Mm -hmm. And now we know that Prince Harry wants Damien Lewis, who, bless, <laughs> beautiful man, of course, you know, before he hit his 40s. Very, very handsome fella. Um, that's who he picked to play his biopic. So I thought, man, we need to answer this because I've been asked so many times and I've given the same answer, which you're probably going to guess what my answer is, but it's obviously Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Come on. Like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I love that. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. What and was Mindy that show Kaling she was would direct it. The... Mindy Kaling would write, direct, that's and right. produce my biopic. I honestly thought this. you were going to pick Mindy, to be honest. I didn't see Priya coming. That makes perfect sense that you'd rather have, you know, oh, yeah, Priyanka. do the directing. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that coming oh my gosh yeah no it's it's happening it's happening it's happening she's so it's fabulous she's i so stopped fabulous. her so hard on that show that she did about quantico that was the oh, name of it right so it was quantico good. Yeah. <laughs> so good and it was also so bad show. but i loved it it was fabulous you know what it was kind of raunch fest <laughs> and so i had to fast forward it was I'm like i don't i don't remember there that. was just like extended steamy scenes and i'm like oh, i'm not probably. here for this yeah i'm here for those. the like the storyline was so clever and at the end of every episode you thought someone else was the baddie and you're like mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure out this puzzle and i can't do it totally but you know what she's proved that she's a great actress so mm -hmm. and by the way let me just say this y'all she got some uh some hay on the twitter saying that why is she announcing the academy awards i think or the grammys or i think it was the academy awards yeah like why are you announcing it when you're like a b-rated star 
And she replied back. She's like, yeah. would you like my 100 plus movies I've been in from IMDb? And she was also nominated for an award. That, and he was just dog. I was like, girl, get your clap back. Get your clap back on. Anyway, People that. Ridiculous. I read the news article because of her clap back. And I didn't find this guy's original tweet. But who would and play it's you? Also, now I need to know. Okay, I'll tell you in a minute. But it's also, you know, speaking of what we're talking about today, that is so typical where you're just mm. like, hey, I'm so glad from your couch or wherever you decided to write this <laughs> that you who have no acting ability whatsoever have decided to critique someone who is has made an entire career and makes a lot of money doing this great craft. It's like, guys, come on. Ugh, it's not like she was in one film when she was 12 that didn't pay. You know, like this right. is not... Oh my gosh, people drive me crazy. Okay, so I think if I had to pick, I was trying to decide, would it be Meryl <gasps> Streep? Because I love her, Ooh. just in general. But I think it would be Emma Thompson. Because oh, I think that Emma fun. Thompson, if I was going to do a biofilm, it would be much later in my life. And I also think that Emma Thompson has this way on screen of, she has a whole world inside of her that you can't see. And she also is very joyful, but is very tapped into her emotions and very connected in every character she plays. And so Hold I on, think are we talking that about she Meryl would be or Emma? Who's I'm talking about Emma. about Emma. I landed on Emma Thompson. I love Meryl. She was my, like, my first thought, but then I think it would be Emma Thompson because of who she is. I think it rings more true to who I am. <laughs> okay, I just Love need her. you to know that for the first 10 seconds that of this conversation, I was thinking Emma Stone, and then I quickly switched <laughs> to Emma Thompson. So I just want you to know, I caught up, I caught up, I was there, yes. I processed and Emma Thompson, that is the finest answer. She's you the could best. Have given. And I do love Emma Stone, but I don't want to pick someone who's my age to do a film like that. That's just me. You know, I need someone you know who's what? a bit more seasoned. I wish I could have thought. I like that you thought of the of the. You know, clearly your biopic is covering a lot of generations of your life. Mm -hmm. So this is great that. Yeah, you're because I who does a biopic at forty? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> unless I die, why would I do that? Like, we need well, a little more time so you can actually have some things yeah. to say about life. You know. I mean. Um, <laughs> God rest his soul. I hope we get one on Chadwick Boseman sooner than later. Yeah, me I'd love too. To watch that. Or oh. at least a documentary on his life. Something would be mm, amazing. Something. Um, gosh, for somebody older, I mean, there's Mimi down the street. Jericho often <laughs> compares me to her because she wears socks with sandals. So I feel like I she could do me that. justice. She could do me justice. That's that's all I got for. Oh, yes. You know what? I should have to do a little quick. This woman, I mean, we were talking about what, when, what happens when women have power. How beautiful that I thought of my neighbor, my beautiful Indian neighbor. She lives about three houses up. She moved here in her early 20s. She became a professor at a, university, a local university here, a private university. And I believe she's a math professor. Mm. And just killing the game. But I... <laughs> I'm not culturally Indian, so I have not met many of her expectations of me, which I, I'm like, is there a place I can go Google to figure out what you were hoping for me to do or say? But, uh, but truly, when I think of her, I'm just amazed at what happens um, when you combine determination and grit and yeah. hope and stick with itness and... Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful... And just learning a new language. I mean, just so, so beautiful. Yeah, that All is. right. Now, in this final week, first, I just want to say... Can I just say thank you to all of you who are listening, who have purchased Pray Tell, who have posted about it, yes. sent me stories, um, hashtagged it, told your friends, left a review. And if you haven't yet to leave a review, I am shamelessly asking if you would like to do that. Yes. Because that is how the world goes around, unfortunately. Yep. But I just want to, um, if you don't mind, Ashley, I'd just love to share a few stories that I've gotten. Yes, I would love um, that. Uh, one of them is um, a gal, and forgive me if I've already shared this on why, though, but she said, I read your book. 
And I told my mom what happened to me. And now we're pursuing um, litigation for the person who took advantage of me. And just getting the bravery to tell her mama. I just was so proud of her and excited for her. Another gal, um, she works at just a local restaurant, um, a meatball restaurant. And she had been experiencing some sexism and misogyny in the workplace. She read my book and she said it gave me language to describe my experience. Yeah. So when I went to my employer, I was able to use that language. And um, and she's like, I even bought my boss a copy. And she was willing to hear me out. And, and she, she committed to X, Y, and Z changes. And I feel like I can actually be there and feel like I don't need to look for another job. And this is the place for me. So, so just good. so, so encouraged. Um, and then there's one more that I got. This morning, um, which was a which was a bit of a surprise, so 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 sweet, and it was just a DM of um, of somebody, and she said, "Hi Tiffany, I just wanted to pass along some encouragement about your latest book. My son, who is a worship arts major at a Christian university, used a quote from it in a paper on worship renewal." It was in the context of how we need to stamp out patriarchy in our worship. I just want you to know that the work you have done is appreciated and so helpful. Maybe Come even on. in settings that you wouldn't expect it to be. So mm. keep going. Come so on. it was just a just an encouragement. Like my hope is that we would all be able to retroactively look at our experiences through the eyes of this research and this narrative and this understanding that we are valued and and to be validated despite what culture yeah. or the church and those messages have really seeped into our conscious and subconscious mind and then that we can walk forward in the fullness of the kingdom yeah. of what God wants and longs for men and women to build that partnership and equity and um, mutuality. So again, just thank you so much. And I'm so excited to hear uh, how it's how it's blessed you or, or how it's not. I, I want to hear it all. If, if it's enraged or empowered you, I'm here for it. So I've also been compared to Hitler and so many other things that I've gotten oh, recently geez. in my <laughs> Welcome to the club, girl. That's like if you're a woman saying anything on the internet, that's your Come life. On now. You know what Come I mean? On. It's like you're either Hitler or a Marxist, social justice warrior, communist, yeah. liberal Nazi. You know, I mean, yep. gosh, it's it is ridiculous the things that people conjure up to avoid doing their own work. That's I mean, right. please. That's right. That's right. That's right. They want to make everything exterior is the issue yes. rather than doing the internal work. Yes. Um, so as we talk about what happens when women have power, I get so excited. Don't you? Don't you get excited what happens? <laughs> I do because here's the thing. The implicit belief that so many of us have been conditioned to believe is that it's dangerous for women to have power. They wouldn't know what to do with it. They wouldn't know how to handle it. They're not equipped. They're not trained. That as if women haven't been doing the dang thing since day one. Right. Since day one. Last time I checked, I mean, I don't think Eve had like a midwife. You know, she was, she she had Cain and Abel all by herself. Like when you think of the very beginning to this modern day of what, when women walk in their power, just how beautiful and whole that is. I mean, you look, even just look at the governments around the world who have been, led by women and how they have led in the past few years, whether it's the pandemic or financial crisis or, um, you know, medicine and care and even down to the things of like maternity leave. Like it's just so beautiful to see how the whole is served when women have power. And um, may I read just a little tiny little passage? Of course. Ashley, um, in Pray Tell, I, uh, one of the stories I feature, I feature many, but one of them that I was very passionate about researching is Anita Hill's testimony before the Senate Hearing Committee back in the 90s um, when she spoke up against Clarence Thomas um, with her allegations of misconduct, which she had witnesses for in evidence, and he was still confirmed to the bench. And obviously that <laughs> reminds us of a more recent story in modern political history. But um, 
I, I say this, after Anita Hill's testimony on Capitol Hill in 1991, the Senate Judiciary Committee might not have stood with Hill, but thousands of men and women across America did. More women ran for office the year after the Hill Senate hearings than any other time up to that point in American history. The year 1992 was the year of the woman. Like millions of women across the country, Patty Murray, then a Washington state senator, wondered how Hill would have been treated if there were women sitting on that committee of senators. After the hearing, Murray ran for the Senate. She won. In mm. Illinois, Carol Mosley Braun won. In California, Barbara Boxer and Diane Feinstein won. As more women sat at public decision-making tables, policies that benefited women, children, and families were enacted, such as the Violence Against Women Act and the Family and Medical Leave Act. Beyonce was right when she told us, my persuasion can build a nation. Endless power with our love we can devour. And then I go on to share, you know, the GDP would go up at least $12 billion if more women were in decision-making rooms, you know, say for cities yeah. are designed, um, more, more people are served. So it's just a beautiful thing when we enable and empower and unleash women to be who God created them to be. Totally. And just to allow other women to rise, you know, um, we've yeah. talked the last couple of podcasts, we talked about what happens when women empower do not empower others. Mm. But I like this conversation too, because, you know, the, it is important that when women do rise, there is also potential for other women to grow. And mm -hmm. just what you saw there with women being on the seat, it also makes me grieve a bit because to see that we're still in the same place with so many things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, just recently, women were elected to our government in numbers higher than ever. So it's still, yeah. we're still making progress even though it can feel like oh are we doing the supreme court i mean are we doing this court thing again like the supreme yeah. court it's just like come on are we still here like we're back in the anita hill days again now um but i think it's important to see that women can rise when we when we rise together and when we look and see what is possible and honestly to see women connect with men in a way like when men are ready for that when they're able to do that when they're not threatened or intimidated by women taking their place i think that that's a really powerful partnership as well like women to women but also you know women to men like what that yeah. looks like and the difference that that can make is so important you know it's wild um in in some of the research that i that i discovered in writing pray tell i discovered that men in the workplace who are seen as one who will empower women are often seen as weak by other men. And when that, when they're, when they, through many research projects, this, this data came out and for in a, in an academic journal. And it was just so interesting that a man who has this egalitarian bent in the workplace would be, and who wants women to succeed and have power and share his resources and share his platform and share his opportunities would be seen as weak by other men. It's just such a, it undercuts a man's role doesn't it it undercuts it just i think it cuts him off at the knees but it is still no excuse for him to feel like oh i just got to keep my bro card so i can't be seen empowering women encouraging women um, lifting women up to places of power because it, how it will affect my reputation or um yeah, my reputation. And so I think it's just so, so vital to remember, regardless of how we're seen, like, and I love how you said this, Ashley, you can't, you can't do controversial work. You can't do some good work without be, being called Marxist or, mm -hmm. or Hitler or some of the things that mm -hmm. men, both of us have been labeled. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't negate the good work that needs to happen. It doesn't negate how we move forward. Totally. And I'm interested to see like what fields that men are seen as weak. Like that has not been my experience. I don't know if it's because maybe the churches that I've been a part of, or even the even when I had a small stint working in the film industry, I didn't experience that, that other men saw it as weak. Or perhaps they internalized it and I couldn't see it. Like maybe that's a very real thing. But most of the environments that I've been in in work empowered women. Now there's some exceptions there for when all the years that I worked worked in restaurants, although I did have several women who managed the, the whole restaurant were like the operations person there. Um, but it, I'm just curious, like what, what did you find in your research? Like what fields is that true? I can definitely see it outside looking in, like when I think about working um, in Manhattan with Cody and seeing that at play on Wall Street, for example, like that would definitely be the case. And so I can see it in other fields and industries, but what did your research lead you? Like where, where do, where is that attitude seen the most? And is it just across the board? Is it in certain sectors? Is it in places where women aren't there yet? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, it was mostly in corporate America office settings. Um, so you 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 kind of hit the nail on the head when you said Wall Street. Right. Anywhere that men would be seen as automatically having power. Right. If they were right, right, willing right. to yield that to advance a woman's place, they were seen as weak by other men. Um, and in my experience, that was I had yeah as I mean as I've shared before, I had this kind of faux egalitarianism that I experienced much of my right. um, adult life, and it was in an office setting. And men were very much seen as like, oh wow, you must not you must not be a man if you're willing to let her whoever her might be have a place or speak up Mm. and even though it was again egalitarian on paper it wasn't always so in practice Mm. so um but for sure the 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 research and the report was done in more of a corporate setting i love that yeah there's a gal that used to be part of my faith community and her dad growing up taught her to play golf and he taught her to play golf and now she still does she does it every week and now with her husband she's a newlywed Mm -hmm. they've been married like two years but he taught her because he was like babe this is the way that men connect in the corporate (laughs) world and you have to be able to insert yourself and so the field that she wanted to work in which was finance then she had to know how to do a couple of those things so it was really you know uh, nice that he was able to do that for her and didn't exclude her from that like I think a lot of fathers do Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah I just found that really interesting the skills that people have to learn and it also makes me think randomly about Austin Channing um, and how her mom and dad chose the name Austin for her future self because they wanted her to be able to apply for jobs and people men and women see the name Austin and would want to bring her in for an interview and I'm like man the stuff that women have to deal with and go through the extra skills that we have to learn in order to participate and play ball at all is it's really wild and the way we have to kind of fix ourselves Danielle Strickland and Joe Saxton we love them around here but they did oh yes gosh they did the best podcast recently I've posted about it several times because I loved it so much but Joe was talking about how even in the most welcoming environments she watched women edit themselves and so I think about that like that phrase just stood out so strongly to me that 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 is so true in most places we go in we have to figure out how do I edit myself and able to participate like how do I edit myself so that I'm seen and known and that is just a it disappoints me greatly and I want a better world for my daughter so I'm glad that we talk about all these things (laughs) and it is it was it's better for me than it was for my mom right like it is Um, and at the same time I want us to stretch further I don't want to keep having this conversation (laughs) you know I just I want it to be better amen Um, I also just want to point to, you know, you mentioned your mother and then you think of your daughter. And I love thinking, uh, just watching you have Baby Willow, like just thinking of the generations and knowing your story and as much as you've shared about your mom's story and thinking of the story that God's writing for Willow. I'm reminded that vernacular, how we have 
common, you know, made common language for our experiences is so important as it women. Is. That's right. Because so many of us have had these experiences and we don't know how to explain them right. in a way that would make sense in the spaces we occupy. Mm-hmm. So the more that we're given language to describe our experiences, the more we're able to name it, heal yes. from it, work through it. Now name it in a in a in a sense of spiritual healing, of course, but also yes. name it in the workplace, Correct. name it in HR, yes. name it to our pastors, name it in the yes. spaces that says, I don't know what you're talking about. We've never seen that. That doesn't happen here. You know, all the excuses we get are you're just too emotional. Or, you're just being a woman or all these things. It's like, actually, this is this is a female experience. This is a woman's experience in so many spaces. And so when we can be like, pull back the curtain. Yeah, that's it. We're all experiencing this. I, I love that. Even how you said, um, Joe, being able to verbalize, oh, she saw a woman edit herself. Like that is, that's so powerful. When we can describe how we've occupied, and um, I just have to be completely honest, and I and I share this in in pray tell as a woman of color in evangelical white spaces, my entire life. I have contorted and twisted myself to fit the dominant culture, but mostly the dominant male church culture to the point that it's so a part of me, it's been baked into the bread. Right. But I have to remind, you know, remind myself to step back and say, where did I learn this right. pattern of behavior? Right. Why, why am I acting like this? So, Or would I be seen as controversial or pushing back if I said this? Or right. could I say it in such a way that I'll be heard? Now, I get it. Sometimes we need to be able to just navigate spaces. Correct. And there's, there's compromise sure. and there's peace, you know, just having a spirit of peace. But sure. at the same time, to shrink our womanhood, to, to deny who we are in order to be accepted that robs us of a voice and power and not stands mm-hmm. wholeheartedly in it. I think um, we have the capacity for peace and healthy, righteous anger and sticking it to the man. And of course, you know, <laughs> all the all the labels we might that get, we might, you know, be labeled with that comes with that. But still, nevertheless, nevertheless, that we would stand and walk in who God made us to be and be able to name the attitudes and perspectives and labels that we have put on just to be able to survive in the world. I think, again, language is just so, so powerful in all of this. It's so true. And I also, I love everything that you just said. And thank you for sharing that. And when we are also able to put language around things, then we can also stop ourselves from doing things to other women because of what Ooh. we have personally you know, mm. taken on um, or, or how people may have to perform in a workplace and what that does to other women. Now, when you have language and you have better understanding around it, then you're able to actually go, oh my gosh, I've been perpetuating this. And this is how I'm also harming other women, or this is how that woman is harming me. And I need to speak up about this or confront her about this. And I feel like it really does, it, it you know, gives us language for plausible deniability, you know, because like, in those spaces, sometimes, I don't know if you sense this too, Tiffany, but it's like there's all these dynamics that are at play that you can't really name. And if you are to try to voice them, it's easier for people to dismiss them when you don't have language. That's it's right. easier for That's people right. to pretend like they're not happening, even though they know they are. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. that language gives us an opportunity to have healthy conflict and be intention knowing that a good confrontation can happen and that we can journey forward together. And I think that language gives us options. Because when you recognize like, oh, that's what's been happening to me, then it makes you step into your own power where you go, I'm not, 
a person without choices here. I'm not a person who's hopeless here. Like I need to figure out what is my next step, even if it's small and, and what, what are the series of small steps you can take that will lead to the big step of breakthrough because that's so important for us to do. Um, so language is, is, is really important in seeing women in positions of power and seeing women in places where they can, um, you know, hold equity and um, make a way for other people. It's really, really important. And women need to have power. We are collaborative, we are smart, we we are in tune with um, empathy responses, you know, mostly. Yeah. Obviously, that's yeah. a broad stroke. And sure, maybe some women struggle with that. But I've certainly seen that women tend to be more collaborative. They yeah. also tend to be more intellectually honest. And that's important. Women also um, have... I've seen that women have a smaller gap between their ideal version of themselves and their real version of themselves. And in fact, yep. sometimes have to be pulled up to what their real version is because they think so lowly of themselves That's right. um, versus men who tend to sort of come in and dominate and have a sense of overconfidence in the room. And um, I think that's a really beautiful thing. So it's, it's good to see that we're taking steps together as a society across all these sectors. And that's what makes the scandals and the pain and the heartbreak worth it. Cause it's like, well, it's out in the light and it's out in the open yes. and we can deal yes. with it like that's what's good about it yes. you know it's like let's deal with all these things they're here let's not bury them let's talk about it let's deal with it let's you know look for humility and find out what we can do to journey forward and i think that makes that really powerful yeah the unsaid the unnamed leads to silence as as mm-hmm. <laughs> as we've talked about a few things i want to hit on number one i love that you brought up um which is a research study that i i believe i've featured in pray tell but i can find it for us and include it at a later date but there there's a study done that the gap between women as you said of who they are and how they see themselves is yep. very sometimes they shrink but it's very accurate of they have an accurate reading of themselves yes whereas men they have a very inflated i mean i'm talking on the whole y'all from Absolutely. a research study yes they have usually an inflated version of themselves um compared to women and then i also want to go back i love that you talked about um obviously the power of naming and how we hold power and this is a very specific example but when and forgive me if i've shared this but you know you think of uh the builder generation and women born between the 40s and maybe like late 50s and many of them again didn't have the vernacular to describe their experiences and so you would see the reporting of any sort of misconduct harm you know any sort of exploitation of their body their reputation their finances um their space and and lot in life it, it's it's around the like 12 to 14 percent of women who really spoke up and then you move to that next generation where as you're talking now late 60s early 70s and that's when when we had more common vernacular of sexism and misogyny and, and misconduct and harassment and all those things really hit the scene and they, they became common language for all women um, during the, the, the women's second wave of the women's movement. Yeah. And, um, and then you see it bump up to like 40% of people who were willing to speak up and here's my experience and here's what happened and there was more reporting structures. And then you think of now yeah. where millennials and Gen Z, they have a yeah. 90% report status of women who have something for them actually to go make a report and why because they have language to describe their experiences yes so and just goes seen back it done, to, right like they yeah. they've seen it other women are speaking so it gives like the more women who speak the more women who speak like just come on speaking come on. begets speaking like this is how this works because then you realize i'm not alone so i don't have to be so afraid and then you have tangible examples of what happens to women when they do these things and when you have an example you know what you can weather right like so you doing mm-hmm. what you did with pray tell gives other people encouragement it's like oh wow yes she did lose a lot of things and it was really hard but look where she is now it's come worth on. it yeah. and it's worth it for all 
all the women that you helped. Like you were not the complicit bystander. You decided to speak. You decided to go to bat for people. And um, I think that 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 example of what happens, that there is a restorative nature in speaking up, that there that it is possible to lose everything and still come out with more than you had. <laughs> I think it's That's right. because it's it's the right thing. It's the just thing. It's the thing that has integrity. It's it's the thing that does good for all women and all people who are involved, right? And so I think yeah. that that's what's so powerful too. It makes us want to report. It makes us want to speak up because we have examples and we know that it's possible to come back again. We don't have to keep enduring all this junk. And by the way, this makes me think of Dolly Parton in nine to five. And so yeah, girl. since I love Dolly so much, I just needed to plug little Dolly because I think that also, movie what a great nine example to five, too. exactly. Nine to five is the perfect and that was example. the point, right? Like that was the point of the movie is that they made this hilarious film to show women like this happens all the time. And mm -hmm. it was a box officer, um, a box office bust, like in a like busted every record. It was amazing. And it's because, you know, women are continuing to find their voice and continuing to speak up and be honest. And I'm very, very appreciative every time it happens. You know what? I just, I have to, I just love that you brought up nine to five. I, it's the best. It's, what a crescendo to this conversation because here's what's crazy. Do you remember? I mean, I've, I've read some reviews on this. I'm sure you have as well. But it had such poor reviews from the professional critics. Of course. These white male of critics. Of course. They, they were like, this is the worst because they couldn't see themselves yep. in the story. Yep. And then every woman in it America exploded. saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and and just here like, we are, decades later, talking about yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, man. So good. Oh, well, we got to end it there because that was just too good. You know what? We're dedicating this to Dolly. I'm pouring we one out you, right Dolly. now from Miss Dolly. Yes. We love you. You're the GOAT. We love you. Mm. <laughs> All right, listeners, we will see you next week. We love you. We're here for you. We're standing with you. And don't forget to order pre-tail. Stop playing games. Bye, y'all. playing games. <laughs> hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.